0: A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Raheem We shall, inshallah, be presenting Simultaneous English Time, 1990
1: Ashrad Allah, <laughs> ilaha illallah Wahdahu la sharika lahu وأشهد أن محمداً عبده ورسوله أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Raheem Malik Yawm-Deen Iyaka Na'udhu واياك نستعين اهدنا الشرعات المستقيم شرعات الذين ان امت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين سے دوست مختلف موالک سے جو خضورت لکھتے ہیں ان میں بارہا اس یہ سوال کا اعادہ کیا جاتا ہے یعنی تبکار سے بار بار مختلف دوستوں کی طرف سے یہ پوچھا جاتا ہے کہ
0: to me that is various friends ask me repeatedly that what is the method of developing enjoyment in worship some people write to me without precipitated state just to quench their thirst for knowledge and some others it looks are under great nervous pressure they try their hardest and struggle much but they don't find pleasure in their worship. There are some who, having approached the exit door, have already decided to leave worship, as though they are giving me their final warnings that you may still make us understand and save us. Otherwise, if we turned away from worship, we should not be held responsible. I give brief replies to various friends, but this subject is so important that despite the fact that I have put light on this before, I feel that from various aspects and from various angles, this subject should be clarified before the Jamaat. In today's sermon, I will put light on this subject from the point of view of the opening chapter, Al-Fatiha. In this chapter, in fact, is the answer to all the questions. There is no problem which this chapter cannot solve. That is why it has been given the name Fatiha, that is, a key to open everything. If you reflect over this chapter, there is no problem of the world for which you will not find a key in this chapter. A brief introduction of this is that it has so been called
1: Um Ummul Kitab,
0: that is the mother of the Holy Quran, and it has many other names also. It has seven verses, and it has discussed seven different subjects. And everyone recites this chapter once in each set of postures. In all his daily prayers This chapter which contains a solution of every problem Some questions arise about it And are often raised That if we recite the same chapter continuously Then you tell us Will it not create boredom? The Christians repeat similar kind of words Only once a week On Sundays Or they hear them But the Muslims recite the chapter Al-Fatiha in each rakah, a set of postures, of their five times daily prayers, and continuously repeat it. If the same meal is consumed daily, one gets fed up. You can see how for the same reason the Jews had stumbled greatly as they openly rebelled against the blessings of Allah. That we cannot always remain pleased with one blessing. We should be given these kinds of meals. If one is forced to eat the same meal every day, then it is best to leave such a religion. When the e Jadid appeal was launched, the Ahmadis had faced a similar kind of trial. The poor people are satisfied, in any case, with a single dish. But when tahrik jadid asked people to restrict to one dish, it put this burden on the rich people. But in their trial, and the trials of the Jews, there was much difference. The trial of the Jews was that they had to restrict to one dish, but they had to have the same dish every day there will be no change in the kind of food either. But in the tariq Jadid program, you could change the variety every day from morning till the evening. So the Jews were put through a great trial and really a large number of them failed in that. But it is not unlikely that in that was also the same subject which is connected with the chapter Al-Fatiha. That is, they might also have been given a single dish. But it looks there is more mention of the spiritual food. Some spiritual food was made obligatory for them, which they had always to repeat continuously, and with which they always to remain attached. So to eat one kind of physical food and to have one kind of spiritual food meant that they had faced twofold trial when the holy quran declared its opening chapter as ummul kitab the mother of the book and called it the oft repeated verses it is the same subject in view of which the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him made it obligatory that it should be recited in each rak'ah of every prayer Thus it began to be recited repeatedly. That is, this Ummul Kitab, the opening chapter, began to be recited in the prayers repeatedly. Now I will tell you that this is the oft-repeated chapter in the prayers, which has the answer to all questions which are raised about it. To give commentary on Al-Fatiha chapter with respect to the meaning which I have been referring to needs much time, but I will try that in a short time I will introduce this subject to you so that later you may continue to reflect on it and avail of it. Among the seven subjects which have been explained in this chapter, four are the attributes of Allah. One is the covenant of worship, the other is to seek divine help, and the last one is to seek guidance. And these seven things have been stated in it.
1: Alhamdulillah al-Rahman, Arrahman Arrahim Maliki
0: All praise belongs to God the creator and supporter of the world, the compassionate, the merciful, master of the day of judgment. Here the word Alhamd, the praise, relates to the whole subject. Here the attribute of Allah are four, but Alhamd, the praise, has an eternal, unshakable to everlasting link with them. And whatever other subjects have been mentioned, all have a link with Hamd. So, Hamd, praise, is the color of the opening chapter. That is why it is also called al As far as praise is concerned, since it is carried out at each stage of gratitude, therefore, whenever... We have to thank Allah. We use Hamd in the way of thanks. That is, whenever we want to say that, O God, we are deeply indebted to you. You have done unlimited favors to us. We thank you. Then we automatically say,
1: Alhamdulillah,
0: as though praise and gratitude have the same meaning and the repeated use has imparted this meaning to Hamd. The first thing which the chapter Al-Fatiha tells, which is linked to the entire subject of the chapter, is Hamd, the praise. If the word Hamd is said without understanding, then the whole subject will remain empty, because the door of Hamd is that door passing through which one understands the rest of the subject of this chapter and you fill juice of meaning into them. So my first counsel to you is that when you recite the chapter Al-Fatiha you should at least pause on the word Al-Hand and ponder as to what you are saying. All praise all kind of praise the perfect praise is for Allah alone a man who does not enjoy his prayers his qibla is different his path of pursuit of pleasure is different in his mind is a friend or something he wants or there is some other desire with which he has attached his hand one feels enjoyment where one has the qibla of enjoyment. If the qibla is on one side but you are facing in another direction, then you feel restless and you will have no enjoyment. So it is necessary to reflect over the word hamd. One method for that is that you should analyze your own self and with justice and with Taqwa, righteousness. One should first find out what are the things that I like? What are the things I love? If you link these things with salav prayer, then you will begin to love the prayers also. Reflecting over this subject, a man will in fact have to examine with a wide glance his whole life and its aims not only with a wide glance but with a deep glance also and when a man has determined his places of Hamd that in my opinion this thing is praiseworthy or that thing is praiseworthy then a new meaning of Alhamdulillah will rise before him When he reflects he will realize that whatever thing he likes, Allah's decree has made that thing likable. And if Allah wills, he will keep it likable. And when he so wills, it will not remain likable. And its attraction is not its own doing and is not lasting. Sometimes a thing looks good in a particular condition. There is a newly built house, for instance. It looks beautiful, and man's humd becomes attached to it. But 50, 60 or 70 years later, when it needs repairs and is no longer clean and harbors germs, its color fades and its structure is loose, and things start to fall. Then you will feel terrified of the same house. Beauty, hand, will leave it. If one loves something beautiful, as long as its beauty is intact, one would naturally feel attracted to it. But when the beauty vanishes, then either a man feels repugnant and runs away from it, but if he is faithful, then another quality helps him and his loyalty forces him to continue to keep his contact with it. But a natural and uncompulsive love, which is linked with beauty, cannot remain the same. That is the difference between Faithfulness and Disloyalty If there is beauty, then you neither need faithfulness, nor there is the question of disloyalty. When the beauty vanishes or begins to lose its charm, then these two meanings arise, and the link of a faithful continues with the thing which has lost its beauty, and the one who is unfaithful, he looks elsewhere. The fact is that one interpretation of Alhamdulillah will unfold before you as you reflect on these things. Whatever things you love, if you reflect on it, you will see that its beauty is not lasting, its enjoyment is not lasting. Rather, even if it has some enjoyment in it, then after becoming satisfied, it loses its importance in your sight. You may eat whatever delicious food you like, you may have plenty of it, and it may have been prepared exactly as you like it. But when you have eaten your fill, its hand will end. If someone will offer you a second helping, you will first say formally with a smile, No thanks. But if he will force it on you, you will want to throw it at him. That why is he forcing this problem on me? Since the infants know no formality, they throw the things in the face of their mother and say, No, we don't want to eat it. You may do what you like. Thus, even when he is present, hamd can vanish. But there is one existence who has put hamd in these things. His hamd is everlasting and is personal hamd. And it is he who has created it. Whenever he likes, he can take that hand away. When you reflect over these things, then each of your Qibla points towards God, and the Qibla in itself has no reality. For example, the Urdu poet Ghalib has attempted to express the same subject, not in the sense that he has linked it with the chapter Al-Fatiha, but since he had a Sufi bent, sometimes he used to express some ideas
1: of deep wisdom. He says, That although apparently
0: we face towards Qibla, but the one we worship Is beyond the Qibla. Qibla in itself is not the aim of our prostrations. Those who possess discerning sight, they call Qibla the Qibla Numa, a compass that points toward it. So, with such a sight, if you look at anything in the world, then a concept of Hamd, praise, is linked with everything, and everything becomes a compass which points towards the beloved. Therefore, it is not just the things which are laudable in your sight which you love. You can put your glance on anything. There is not a single thing which is empty of Han. And immediately after that, it says, Maya rabbil alameen. "All praise belongs to God." who is the creator and supporter of all the worlds. The Rub attribute of Allah is deeply linked to Hamd. It is not possible for me to link this subject of Hamd with these seven subjects and discuss it in detail here, but I am putting it as an example for you so that reflecting on these things, you should fill these seven containers of your prayers with such a juice, that each container should hold such a blissful, delicious drink for you, which you should enjoy. The link of hand with the Rab-Creator attribute of God is very deep and very vast. I put the example of meal before you, Sensei, that when this meal is converted into excretion, changes into filth and stinking smell, then how can Hamd remain in it? And how will we then link the subject of Hamd with it? The answer is that if you look with a deeper glance, the rub attribute of God has a deep link with this also, because whatever is the filth which you excrete, It is a blessing for some other creatures in Allah's universe and in various forms that blessing is reaching his other creation. Such stinking fertilizers that you avoid even to pass near it is a blessing for the plants. Same fertilizers, beautiful flowers grow and develop fragrance such food grows which becomes a hamd for you so how vast is the subject of hamd of the moon the praise of the creator and the supporter of the worlds that there is not a single aspect of the universe which even after use should become empty of the subject of hand once it is empty on one side it fills on the other side he supports one life and when he has satisfied its need he is ready to support other life so when you glance over the universe from this angle you will not find a single particle which in one form or another is not worthy of hamd for one thing or another the word Alameen, all the worlds, has clarified this point that you must not regard Allah as a limited being like yourself. When you praise Him and look for hand in His being, then you should look for that hand as His being, Rabbul Alamin, creator and supporter of all the worlds. If you reflect over the system of support which he has set in operation for the whole universe, then your eyes would dazzle. Even if you continue to reflect at each moment throughout your life, this subject will never end. It is impossible and there is no exaggeration in this. In this earth and in its atmosphere, which is a part of the earth itself, whatever different particles exist, and various kinds of particles exist. They continue to change into various forms, and they have been used in one respect, then they come out ready for another use, and there is no waste. There can be no possibility of waste. It is impossible that we can waste even a single particle in this earth and in its atmosphere because it is recycled again. And this balance is so magnificent that despite there being such a large earth and such vast atmosphere, contains untold particles. Without exaggeration, there is not a single particle which is being wasted. No matter which way you use it and consume its entire goodness, but whatever form it may take, it will begin to reflect another manifestation. It will emerge being good to something else. If it is poison for one, it is antidote for another. If it is an antidote for one, then after a time it becomes its poison and an antidote for another. So when reciting, one word to pause and reflect and consider the vastness and greatness of the existence of Allah, and whichever direction he looks, he finds the subject of Hamd, then can it be possible that a man who recites the chapter al fatiha all his life can discharge his duty of reciting just? It is utterly impossible. So who can say, that this oft-repeated the mother of the holy quran can develop boredom for anyone develop occasions of boredom not at all the boredom develops from within man if he lacks the skill of love he will become bored with anything and best of of the things will not look pleasing for him therefore If you have to seek protection from boredom, you need to develop the skill of love. You see that some people are not pleased with anything. They continuously frown and no matter what you give them, they say, forget it. It is useless and absurd. They criticize everything and they think that everything is bad. Like despair, wherever they go they create trouble for people not that the world of Allah is empty of humd it is not that there is a scarcity of good people in the world or the good qualities have left the world but the reason is that they have such dryness in them which de- deprives them of love so if you develop a glance of love that is develop a glance see beauty and to benefit from it, then you will find Allah's Hand so widespread and with such extensive glory that if you dive into the heart of a particle, you will begin to see a world of Hand in it. Then Allah is most gracious and ever merciful and is The Master of the Day of Judgment. If you link Hamd with these attributes of Allah, you will see how great and magnificent pictures of the universe rise before you. And with each picture is linked the existence of Allah. It is Allah who is granting the beauty to each beautiful thing. So how can a Salat, prayer, become empty of enjoyment in which the chapter Fatiha is being recited. It continues to open up before the eyes untold worlds of beauty till either having no more time or lacking a higher power of concentration and lacking such capacity you may go past it then that is your option. Otherwise if you stop at each word of the chapter Fatiha, then you can pass all your life reflecting on just one word without becoming bored. There is an amazing meaning in each and every word which continues to open up a whole new world before you. Then there is the subject of that thee alone do we worship and from thee alone do we seek help. Worship has a deep link with Hamd. If there is no praise, then there is no worship. And this claim that iyaka nabudo, that thee alone do we worship, is a great claim and without passing through Hamd it is entirely false. As long as one does not as long as one does not pledge this, as long as one does not acknowledge it in his heart after full understanding that all praise belongs to God. Until then, the entire worship cannot become for God alone. If any aspect of Hanḍ is for anyone else, then each aspect of worship is for God. This is such a mathematical fact in which there can be no change. It is a mathematical equation and it is so sure that no power can change this equation. The highest station which was granted to his holiness Muhammad Mustafa, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that let alone everything else in the universe, he advanced further than all the prophets. So the greatest point of understanding this matter is this, that his entire hamd without exception was exclusively for Allah. So he was the singular person that when he declared,
1: <inaudible>
0: he was perfectly true in this declaration.
1: Sallallahu alayhi wa
0: because all his hamd was truly for God. Iyaka nastain has a deep link with Iyaka Na'budu. When we seek help from God, we first pledge that, O God, we worship you, and we worship you alone. This will be the intention of everyone. There is no denying that. That is, No one has the right to deny it. But we can say this for certain, that the duty of this subject was done fully by His Holiness, Muhammad Mustafa, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And now only that man fulfill this right, who is his perfect servant. Now when this fact has been established, that he does not worship anyone other than God, that is, the one who is praying worships only God and beside him he worships none then the sure result of this will be that he will seek only his help none remains beside God to seek help from when all the other gods have been removed because God is the one before whom one submits all one's life and considers none above him after him what other door is left which he will knock for his needs thus the subject of develops automatically from and it develops only to the extent the truth is found in and no more so if someone's worship is empty of hamd and his hamd is for someone else whether he outwardly worships him or not. His hand contracts and becomes extremely small. He does say that, O God, I worship thee alone. But the one who is a believer in the unity of Allah says that, O God, this is my intention, that beside you I worship none else. But the person who lacks belief in the unity his Hamd is spread everywhere in the world and people have become his Qibla rather than be a compass pointing to God. Therefore, in this respect, the more his worship is empty of Hamd, the more it contracts and becomes like a paralyzed body. His hand dries up and is lifeless beside his body. It does remain arm. Similarly, the outward form of worship will still remain, but since it is empty of hand, it will be empty of spirit, empty of life, empty of soul, empty of effect, and empty of power. And to the same extent, iya kanastain will become weak. Allah's decree is not blind. Allah's decree has such powerful sight that it's even the minutest things which a man cannot see. Allah's decree automatically becomes the answer of Iya Kanastain. But after watching as to what is the capacity of Iya Kanastain, one needs to see the capacity of the one who is requesting and he is given according to his capacity. So a man whose worship has become too small the answer to his request of help will also be small, as is his request of And there is no injustice in this. It is a logical outcome of this. When you supplicate to God that we seek your help, the answer can be that you knock at this door and at that door. Such and such a person has such greatness in your estimation that when there is a question of speaking the truth or telling a lie, then you bow to his greatness, sacrificing the truth. In your opinion, that thing possesses such power that seeking help, you are prepared to do everything which God has forbidden. In short, it is a detailed subject, and when we apply in our daily life on our own self or on our surroundings, then if a man is intelligent, he will be shocked If he were to look for essence in his lifelong worship, he will find it in such a small quantity as one searches for a small item in the ashes of a burned-down house. So the worship which are empty, what will they ask for? Because in answer to each begging, in answer to each request, the decree of Allah would say to him, don't say such thing, don't say it as a formality you were worshipping others even if not outwardly but when truly there was time to seek help you considered something else more powerful and used to knock at its door so acknowledge informally what is true the fact is that you are not worthy of doing this formality of knocking at my door whose hand is in your heart who you really worship you should beg from him if he can give it to you. This difference that some prayers are granted and some are not granted, it is not because of the tears. Some people write to me that how can we enjoy worship? We weep in our prayers till the places of prostration become wet, but we do not get what we want. (laughs) They fail to understand that a thing which they have made their God, then they should ask that thing because if it appears so loving to them that it has become their qibla and the Hand is not attributed to God through words only and truly some others of the world have become laudable in their sight so when he weeps before God then he does not weep because of hamd he weeps for the reason that his desire is not being fulfilled when an ailing man cries he is crying because of his suffering It is not necessary that his cries should cure him. Cure is achieved because of the knowledge of medical treatments. So in worship also, there is a science. There is a science of prayers. Those prayers which are worthy to be accepted, they are the ones which are accepted. At times, they may be without tears. They may not have yet been expressed in words. Even then, they are accepted. Its secret is in this that you should understand the subject of the chapter Al-Fatiha and continue to apply Hamd to the four attributes of Allah and then you say "Iya ka nabudo. You should examine yourself reflect in which places your worship is truly filled with Hamd and where it is empty You should glance over the situation of your day-to-day life then the subject of Iyaka Nabado will itself check your steps, and never will you be able to move on without gaining some new points of wisdom from this subject. There is not a single subject of the chapter Al Fatiha which one can end even with this lifelong reflection. Then tell me, where is the place of How can the boredom develop? The boredom is felt when one thing is faced time and again in the same form. We find this introduction of Allah in the Holy
1: Qur'an.
0: That every day He reveals Himself in a different state, which then of the favors of your Lord will you deny? Allah's existence is such that His manifest changes every moment. How can a man become bored with that? If one develops a capacity to see Allah's changing manifestation, he is granted such a sight which can see that changing manifestation. For him, Allah can never become old. And through the mirror of chapter Al-Fatiha, you can see the changing manifestation of Allah. Al-Fatiha is such an instrument, like a telescope, or a microscope, or other instruments like them, or as they use cameras to see things in a special way from close quarters or from a distance. Similarly, an intelligent man can use the chapter al Fatiha to see Allah's attributes and to see his ever-new manifestations. Although al Fatiha chapter mentions only four attributes of God, but the fact is, that all Allah's attributes are included in these four attributes. As you see, this small chapter has been called Ummul Kit, the mother of the Holy Quran. And the Holy Quran discusses all attributes of Allah. So, how can this be called Mother of the Holy Quran if it mentions only four attributes of Allah? Except that those four attributes should be Sifat. the mother of all the attributes. And this is the fact. With the interaction of these four attributes and in their manifestation, you can see all the attributes of Allah. So, Um Ummul Kitab does not just mean that all the sect of the Holy Quran have been included in it, but that each word of the chapter Al-Fatiha has a status of Mother. The four attributes of Allah are the Ummus Sifat the mother of his attributes the subject of worship in view of the relationship with Allah is the mother of every subject this is the path through which one develops relationship with Allah and without it nothings so if you have a contact with Allah in any sphere of life and whether you are apparently saying prayers or not it is in fact only worship through which the contact can be developed. And His Holiness, Muhammad Mustafa, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and upon his followers, has explained this subject to us so clearly when he said that if you put a morsel in the mouth of your wife, thinking Allah will be pleased, and it is Allah who wants that you should fulfill the rights of your wife and be kind to her, therefore this action will become worship. Now you see that in this small example what a great formula has been taught to us to change each action of man's life into worship. The relationship is not established only through prayers but whatever happens around man and his experiences have a link with the worship of Allah. Influenced by the incidents that happen around man and the response and reaction he shows towards them. It can either become an act of worship or it can take him away from worship. So in Iaka Nabudu, the mother of the relationship with Allah has been mentioned. That is, in this single statement, in this single pledge that, O oh God, we will never worship anyone beside you. We will worship <laughs> you and will worship you alone. We worship you, and we worship none else, and we reject worshipping anyone else. In this pledge is the soul of every relationship with Allah. The more widespread you will make it, the more you will benefit from its meaning. In Iyya Kanastain, apparently you ask others also. A child asks his mother. He asks for something from his father. A friend asks for something from a friend. Then what is the difference in this asking and in Iyakanastayeen, asking of help from God? When you will ponder over this difference, you will then understand that the station of friend, the the station of father, the station of a child, As long as all of them are not kept at their true station and opposed to God, their station should not be in the sight of man. If despite losing all of them, Allah still remains in his sight and their magnificence and their qualities should appear as though Allah's magnificence and Allah's qualities are reflecting in them, then ask from them, will be the same as asking from Allah and it will no longer remain asking from other than Allah but if their stations are misplaced and their stations are separated from God and are not on that path then they will become tools of association with God so to call Qibla a compass clarifies this subject when a worshipper faces towards Qibla, not an idolater for the reason that the building of Qibla is never in his thoughts, as though it does not exist. One faces towards it, but the eventual aim and target are the feet of Allah before whom man bows for worship. So in this respect, when a man glances over the subject of Hamd, and starts considering old lovable things around him that they have no of their own it is only the magnificence of my God after that when he asks them for something then that asking has no special meaning if he gets nothing it makes no difference to him and in his asking there is a sort of independence a sort of greatness He does not ask by buying and falling low. He knows that it is Allah who has given. If the person I am asking will not give me it, but if Allah will decide to give it to me, then he has thousand ways to give it to me. There are untold paths through which Allah can bestow on me. So, the more the in-depth knowledge of the Divine increases, the more one develops enjoyment in Salat prayers. And to increase the in-depth knowledge of the Divine, one does not need exceptional formal schooling. The knowledge of each man has the capacity to develop knowledge of the Divine. To reflect on the universe, the knowledge of a scientist will no doubt be vast. But if Allah does not give him the sight for the knowledge of the Divine, then despite the greatest possible knowledge, he will not understand the subject of Hamd. But if an ordinary man, a shepherd, a farmer, a culture or a manual worker, has the eye of intelligence, he can see Allah's Hand in his daily activity and can sing the songs of his praise. Hamd increases with knowledge, there is no doubt about that. But one can gain knowledge of the Divine without formal knowledge, if one should seek Allah and search for His magnificence. There is not a single stage from where a seeker cannot see Allah's presence. And it is the same magnificence which changes into Hamd, after which one says, involuntarily. These are man's day-to-day experiences, his happiness, his griefs, his fears. As a result of them, these seven words which I have explained can be filled with ever-new meanings. Someone's child dies or he suffers some loss. At this, some say, how can we say Alhamd with true feelings? These people say this only because in their mind praise and gratitude are the two names of the same subject. Many people say Alhamd in the sense of gratitude. They don't even know what Hamd is. They say, now we have suffered a loss, now we are grief-stricken or face fear, how can we say Hamd? But that is the time to say Hamd. Because a laudable thing has slipped out of their hands. They lose a thing with which they have attached some hamd. That is the time to remind them that Alhamdulillahi Rabbil alamin. Hamd in the real sense belongs to God. God had granted him a little of that hamd temporarily. Therefore it was to be praised. But the giver of hamd is mine and he will always stay with me. He will never leave me. So with the loss, one does suffer some grief. But if the man were to consider this loss temporary, that is, in the true sense, with his knowledge of the divine, then that loss becomes temporary. But if his humd has become to it for good, and beside God, if a man were to start loving it like a false idol, then its harm will always be there. That will show that he had assigned lasting hamd with someone other than God. So you can see that after such a loss, his first rakah of his first prayer will automatically divert his attention to this, that Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, that you have been taught this lesson you recited it daily with full understanding and reflection. You know it well that beside God there is no hand. Then if this thing is lost, then it was Allah alone who had granted you that hand. Therefore, if the giver of hand takes his thing back, then one thanks even when returning it. It is not a time of complaint. If you have loaned a thing to someone, and when you take it back that man starts being if to you that you had given me this thing why are you taking it back now what will be your impression of him but if he has a noble soul he will thank you even when he is returning it this thank can only be rendered if one has a glance on malake Yomidin. Whoever one thinks is the ultimate master, he thanks him alone. And after his taking anything back, there can be displeasure. As long as he gave the opportunity, it was a blessing. It was his favor. So Malik Ya Yaumiddin has explained clearly the link of Hamd with the attribute of Allah and informed us that if you will believe Allah to be Malek Yomiddin, the master of the day of judgment, then every Hand linked to him will always appear Hand. If you will not believe him to be Malek Yomiddin, then on some you will not remain worthy of Hand. If in any way you face trial when something is taken away from you, it is because you would have considered yourself to be the master. You would have made it yours for good, and you would have become for it, for good. Then how will Allah remain? malik i Then Allah was separated from owning it. Thus, in the chapter Al-Fatiha, whatever aspects there are of man's thinking, all those aspects have been satiated. All kinds of thirst of man has been quenched. It is not possible that man should pass by Al-Fatiha with reflection and he should have any kind of thirst which has not been quenched and he should feel bored. When Hazrat promised Messiah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that when you recite Iyya ka then you should assign this meaning to Iyya ka that O God, we do have intention of worshipping you. We cannot do it. Iyaka Nastain, we seek your help in this. Then Allah will help you and gradually your worship will stand on the right station and will become established on it. Therefore this subject, as I have said, is very vast, and it is impossible to do justice to explain it fully. I have tried that I should explain to you briefly that it is the knowledge of the Divine which develops enjoyment in Salat. And for this, you will have to struggle hard. Despite understanding this point, your prayer cannot be brought to life suddenly. The seeds which have no liquid, if they are still living and are attached to the tree, then suddenly, after being cured, They are not filled with liquid. It takes time. And one needs to work hard. Therefore, in the Holy Quran addressing man, Allah says, That, O man who is struggling to reach God, here that man is being addressed who struggled hard to find God. You will have to struggle hard, extremely hard and you are working hard. We assure you that your hard work will not be wasted. You will find that God for whose sake you work and try hard. So instead of going towards the exit doors you should return back to the center of worship and continue your struggle and supplicate to God that may Allah enable you to struggle hard and may He make your hard work bear fruit till these Salat prayers should become a means of your pleasure and it should not be a cause of boredom. Amin.
1: Alhamdulillah na'amaduhu wa nasta'ayinuhu wa nasta'khfiruhu wa naminu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh wa n'audhu billahi min shurur anfusina wa min sayyat amalina man yaadhi allahu وَمَنْ يُؤْمِنْ فَلاَ هَادِيَ لَا لَا إِلَّ اللَّهُ لَا لَهُ لاَ رحمکم اللہ ان الله یعمر بالعدل والحسان و ایتائی ذو القربا و ینہان الفاشائی والمنکر اذکر اللہ يذکركم ودوہ يستجب لکم ورذکر اللہ اکبر